You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 452. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. Doing well over there? Uh, yeah. Yeah, not, Good. not bad. For, uh, you know, considering the hell we're all continuing to live in, it's, it's been a good week. <laughs> I, dude, I, I told you I don't know this audio equipment. You don't have to. <laughs> oh, you mean the pandemic. I'm sorry. I mean the I pandemic. Was, the, yeah. the on, ongoing worldwide catastrophe. Oh, yes. yeah. It's, it's, um, well, you got your first poke, yeah? You I did. That. I got, yeah. I got, got my jab. And and you saw my Facebook post. I'm getting mine tomorrow. Well, 45 minutes from right now, tomorrow, I will be getting mine. I don't know if it's the Pfizer. I, I do know it's the two shot one. So it's either that or Moderna or Moderso or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. So that's that's tomorrow for me, and uh, I, I'm excited. I was, I found out on uh, Friday, I was at work and I got a text. There's a local uh, grocery store. It's mm-hmm. a pharmacy. It's a big place. Uh, they're a pharmacy, toy store. I guess you'd call it a department store, but it's big grocery and all that. Yeah. Superstore, I guess, uh, called Meyer, and mm-hmm. they're big here in the Great Lakes region. Chicago, uh, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan. But they started here in, uh, I think, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I think that was the original one. Um, we had one, a Meyer. Back when I was growing up, it was called Meyer Thrifty Acres. Kind right. of a, and I remember um, they had by far the biggest toy selection. So when my parents would go shopping at Meyer, I always wanted to go. Not that I had any choice, because, you know. Uh, but, of course, this was, you know, the 70s, early 80s. So I didn't always have to go, because I would be like, I'm going to go outside and play. And they'd be like, okay, we're yeah. going to the grocery store. You know, there's no one at the house. You wouldn't let your kids do that now. Hey, we're going to go shop, and you just go run around the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but, you you know, that's what you did back in the day. So I would go to Myers with them, and I would just go up and down the toy line, toy aisle. Yeah, um, we used, yeah we used just to do drooling. That. Yeah, we used Loved to do it. that. My when we went to my parents went to Kmart and then later on when they used to go to Target and places like that. And that, that's the th- the thing is like you say right they'd say right we go shopping, you've got half an hour, and then we'll see you down the front and we would go right. just look at the stuff we want to see. Yeah, you know, drooling over the stuff that you know they're not going to buy you. Yeah. Um, for Kmart, we didn't have Target until much much later. We didn't no, get a Target yeah. until I was an adult. But we had uh, Kmart, and the Kmart was right behind um, where my dad worked. Right. So I would get my allowance on Friday, and we would I would go down, I would walk down, or I would take my bike down to where my dad worked, and he'd give me my three bucks, whatever it was, and then I would go over to Kmart. And mm-hmm. you know when that when I first started doing that, it was all about Star Wars figures and stuff like that, toys. Yeah. And then when it hit up to uh, five bucks a week, uh, I would either go down, get my allowance quick, because it was burning a hole in my virtual pocket, mm-hmm. and go to Kmart to buy 45s. Remember 45s? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I got into comic books, so then I wasn't going to Kmart anymore, and I would not go down there and get the money. I would wait for Dad to bring it home. And then on Saturday morning, I would ride my bike up to this comic book store that was quite a ways away. I mean, it was probably a good five miles away called Collector's Cove. And it was just a little mom and pop shop. And I would go up there and I would buy my comics. It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. That, that's, I love those, you know, old memories of thinking about having a very small budget and getting specifically certain items that as a kid, that that's what I want. I want to get, I, I think the new Hulk comics coming out this week or yeah. Spider-Man or Batman or something. Um, but I spent a lot of money on 45s too. That was, yeah. I loved 45s. So what's happened to all those singles now? Do you still have them? No, I don't remember. I don't even remember getting rid of them to be honest. Right. I mean, obviously I did because I don't have them now. Um, yeah. Nor would I, I even have the ability to play them. Yeah, I have a yeah, I can't play them anymore, but I have a box somewhere in storage that has all my old um, really? I didn't I didn't have singles, but I had um Albums. because 
yeah, I have albums because, you know, by the time I got into music, um, singles weren't going away. But the thing is, is I would record singles on off the radio. Um, yeah, I did that go too. out and buy them. So, yep. um, well, I remember when I first started, and when it really dawned on me that, hey, there, it, there's this thing called an album and you can get more songs. But they were, you know, it, it, it was more than my allowance, a whole album. Yeah. Uh, but when I finally started getting into that, I was buying cassettes. Yeah. It wasn't albums. Yeah. So I was never into the physical record. It, when I first started getting albums, it was cassette and then obviously CDs. Um, but the only records I ever really bought, I remember, I, I bought the audio book to, I want to say Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. um, where it was kind of a cheesy book. Yeah. But it had, you know, the guy didn't narrate the entire story. It was, it was pretty lame. But yeah. they had sound that, effects from the movie. That's right. Is that is that the one where when you read along with the? I had we had one where you read it was a Star Wars story. You read along with the book, and every time R two D two made his his signature um, beeping noises, that was when they they were telling you to turn the page. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> the same one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I and I remember. Um, I find your lack of faith disturbing because I had the Star Wars one too, yeah. and that and it had the actual audio, yeah, from the movie in it. That that to me that was awesome. I find yeah. your lack of faith. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember with the Return of the Jedi, him saying, well, "You can tell him that when he arrives." Yeah, and just all oh, the 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 way Vader would say that, and then the guy's just shitting himself, like, "Oh, he's coming yeah. here." Yeah. <laughs> He's most displeased with your apparent <laughs> lack of progress. <laughs> we shall double our efforts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. I, I, and I remember that line. I always remember thinking, well, that's even worse. I know. To, to be behind, but then when you say to redouble our efforts, that, that basically proves that the Emperor's right and you've been slacking. You've been slacking. Because, <laughs> you know, look how much we got done when you heard I was coming. <laughs> The emperor is not as forgiving as I, and you're like Jesus. How bad is this guy? When Vader's like, you've been screwing around. I've been nice yeah, about it. You really, really, you want you want the guy to go. go Wait till Pruneface shows up, go. man. You're screwed. <laughs> you, you, you want the guy to go to the emperor? Look, emperor. Yeah. Half Look, I, I've been talking to him. <laughs> Yeah. They're doing their best. They're, they're, you, you know, you have no idea what the weather is like here. It's so yeah. bad. <laughs> I've got I've got suppliers who are letting me down left, right, and centre. You're not going and bothering them. The, the unions wanting to renegotiate. I, what do you want me to do? Yeah. yeah. The damn plumbing union. Do you know how many pipes are in this damn thing? Yeah. No, I haven't got anywhere near enough charging points for the droids. I mean, how, how am I meant to deliver on this schedule? <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> Ah, it's it's just <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty funny. You remember? That would be. Do you remember that um, you know, Eddie Azard's uh, skit he did about oh, yeah. uh, Darth Vader in the lunchroom in the camp cafeteria? <laughs> the cafeteria. <laughs> this one's wet. This one's wet. This one's wet. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> that's, uh, that's one of yeah. my favorites, actually. Yeah, yeah. But I, of course, it wasn't a Lego one. But the guy animated his little bit, and it's just. Yeah. It's so good. It's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. Uh, anyways, let's uh, jump into tech fan here since, you know, we've, we've been well, having we met, fun. We, we just mentioned about recording stuff off the radio. Yeah, kind of sad um, news. And yeah. we're also doing this as part of our wiki trolling thing. But yeah. um, I saw this. I, I'm, I'm kind of glad. I, I saw it, you know, for five seconds uh, while I was on uh, lunch break looking on my phone. I saw it and I thought, oh, that'd be something worth talking about. So, yeah. go ahead. Well, well, this is uh, this is the guy who invented the cassette tape. Lou Watson's died at the ripe old age of ninety-four. Holy um, moly! Yeah, uh, a lot of people forget nowadays that um, Philips, the Dutch company, invented a lot of this stuff, and they invented the compact cassette as well as being the lead on the compact disc. Um, it's funny. His goal. I'm looking at this Los Angeles Times obituary that you linked. Yeah. His goal was making tapes and their players far more portable and easier to use. Because, look, the cassette tape wasn't the beginning of uh, a recording to a magnetic tape. They had reel-to-reel. Yeah. That was invented in, like, 23. Um, 
and they had it in recording studios and, and radio stations as early as the 30s, and it was very complex stuff to use. Yeah. So this guy took that basic concept, and, and although the tapes were a little different, um, and he wanted he had he carried a block of wood in his pocket, and the goal was to have the player and the tape take up about the same amount of space. Yeah, and you can't really argue with his success. Um, no, and think about you know he he basically created an entire industry from his invention. So well, while yeah, we the, talk about this guy, let's talk about the cassette tape as well because it's our Wikipedia wiki trolling. Um, commonly called uh, called a tape cassette, cassette tape, audio cassette, or simply tape or cassette. It was to me it was always those were always interchangeable. Yeah. Do you got you got a blank tape? You got a cassette? You got you know? And you had really two kinds. You had the pre-recorded cassette which was records like we were talking about earlier or albums. Yeah. Um, although, do you remember the, the single cassettes? It would be one song. It yeah. It seemed kind I of think, a ripoff to me. I think I had a couple of those. But, oh, everybody had a couple. You know, but then you just, had the blank tape. Yeah. It was just people, people, some people wanted to listen to singles in the car. Um, and um, yeah, <laughs> there's two things that kind of strike strikes me about the cassette tape. First of all is the miniaturization. They took something that, was expensive and, and very fiddly a big there's something really was only for uh yeah for professionals or for very rich people yeah and they miniaturized it to something that that, that allowed portability and that transformed the, the way we listen to music but the second thing for me um and, and you know anybody who's ever used cassette tapes know that every now and again they would go wrong they would tangle up in your player um and it used to be that you you know if it if, if it uh, tangled up in somebody's car you wander you sometimes you just wander around um on the street or in a car park or something and you'd see this massive tangle of tape where somebody's oh, yeah. obviously yanked it out of their car yanked all the bits that have that have come off and then and it, and it was broken at that point and then just kind of thrown it on the street back when people used to listen more um and you used to see those lying around but generally they were absolutely you know they were pretty reliable um, not particularly high quality, but pretty reliable. And I think the, the reliability they built into that platform, it really astonishes me more than anything else because it was completely mechanical. And yet, uh, you know, 95% of the time, it worked relatively flawlessly. It was re- introduced in September 1963. Um, came with two forms, already recorded content and pre-recorded content. Remember when you found out that you could stick a piece of paper or something in the little hole at the top and record over a pre-recorded tape? That's right, yeah. And, and you and had you to bust have... that little tab out so you could nobody could record over it. That that's exactly. So you'd make it. A t- you'd make a mixtape for someone. You had to bust that little thing out. Like you're not screwing up my mixtape. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The yeah, compact cassette uh, technology was originally designed for dictation machines, but improvements in fidelity led to the compact cassette to supplement the stereo 8-track cartridge and reel-to-reel tape recording in most non-professional applications. Um, when I was kind of in high school deciding what I wanted to do for a living, um, one of the things that was very appealing to me and it went way back in, in years for me, uh, probably to, honestly, laying in front of a, a Bose speaker that my dad had with a cassette recorder trying to record another one bites the dust or something. Yeah. Um, and listening to the DJ, you know, he, he's mm-hmm. talking about traffic and weather and he's talking about this song that's about to play. Um and back in the day, the idiot would just talk right over the music. Yeah. You know, I the, that. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. that would start and he wouldn't shut the F up. He used to just drive me crazy as a I'm like, can this guy shut up for a minute? But the, the idea of there's a guy and he's probably pushing some buttons. I knew that he wasn't, you know, dropping a, a, a needle on a record player at that point, but there's yeah. a guy somewhere and this is his whole job is to play this music. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted yeah. to be the guy behind the microphone that people were listening to. I just thought that would be so cool. And so mm-hmm. I actually um, interned very briefly with a local radio station and because I, I wanted to be the guy behind the mic. 
and the technology and all these reel-to-reels that they had set up and these cartridges that they would pop in and it would play automatically play this pre-recorded content. All of that technology was tape-based and it was fascinating to me. Yeah, probably why I made a lot of mixtapes as well. Yeah, and the other thing, of course, is that when the computers came along, home computers, that was a way you could distribute software. You could write programs on your computer and then save them to audio tape. They, uh, they had a system where they could turn the, the bits and bytes of the, of the program into sound uh, and then record that on a tape so that you could then load it up again afterwards uh, and get your software back. And, of course, that allowed commercial software to be distributed to these very primitive systems that certainly you couldn't afford to do anything with yeah, a memory like we do today with USB sticks or anything like that because it was Correct. so expensive. So whereas the compact cassette was cheap enough that it could be used as a distribution mechanism for uh, software. So cassette culture, compact cassette served as a catalyst for social change. Uh, their small size, durability, and ease of copying helped bring underground rock and punk band music uh, like to the Iron Curtain. Um, I do remember, especially in the 80s, there was a big thing where these bands would uh, record their own music behind the Iron Curtain and mm-hmm. smuggle them those tapes out. And there was a whole underground thing that, re- that independent little record stores would have. How they got them eventually, I don't know. But I remember buying ostensibly copies of blank tapes with music on it from artists that were, you know, in East Berlin. Yeah. And I, I their English was awful singing, mm-hmm. but the talent was obviously there. But more importantly, the passion these people had for their music, knowing that it's underground, that they weren't allowed to be doing some of this stuff, that they had to smuggle this stuff out so you could hear it. I remember that was, that was huge, but the reverse was true at all was true as well that music was getting sent in and not just music but you know politics and stuff like that and that's how a lot of messages were if you will getting beyond the wall and the compact disc was 100 percent responsible for a lot of that kind of sharing of information there was no uh, there was no number one it was cheap very inexpensive and number two, it was small and compact and portable that you can get it in. Yeah. And you yeah, can you hide, can hide it. it. Yeah. Yeah. That that and, was and, that was cool. Sp- spoken word was also, uh, you know, it was a very... Anytime you allow people to communicate better and communicating by, by laying down sermons, laying down speeches, laying down your thoughts even on... Uh, on in audio and then being able to send that to other people. And you've got to remember, they... It wasn't long after the the arrival of the compact cassette, certainly in the 80s, that double double um, cassette um, systems became very widely available. So you could very quickly copy from, well, not quickly, but you could duplicate. Yeah, it was one to one. You don't. There was. One, yeah. yeah. People nowadays, the younger kids, anyways, that didn't really grow up with the cassettes. You know, they can skip songs instantly. They hit yeah. next, and the next song is playing. We had to hit fast forward yeah, and it would fast forward the tape until the next song. You wouldn't hear yeah. anything, but it would fast forward the tape. Remember when you got your first one that would auto sense the space between two songs That's and, right. it, would, yeah, and it, it would forward and stop and you'd, it'd clack and start playing. And you'd be like, wow, that's like, how does it know? That's amazing. It and went it, to and, the next yeah. song. And, and there was a lot, awful lot of innovation around the cassette tapes. I remember, I mean, you and I were both hi-fi buffs. So yeah, you know, when you if you had something you really wanted, like especially when the first CDs came along, and you you didn't have a CD player yourself, but somebody had the CD, and you wanted to record the um, record the album so you could listen to it on cassette, you would often if if they had a high end rig, you would go out and buy a chromium based tape or or even even better a metal based tape, which which you know captured more of the uh, audio fidelity because it used a different formulation on the on the tape plastic. Um, and uh, and that was that was more high end. And then if you combine that, like a, cr- a high end chrome tape coupled with Dolby that, that C, was, yeah. then then that was the, you know that was the business that was because you weren't going to get any tape hiss on that bad boy. Um, and uh, yeah, you you I mean those I remember those chrome, particularly the metal tapes, cost an absolute fortune. Oh, so they were really, three times the cost yeah, at least. Yeah. 
They were really invested. I remember the Kmart. Movie. We talked about Kmart earlier. I remember you yeah. can get uh, a shrinked wrap hanging on a hook, three blank cassettes. They were white, and they were just the worst quality in the world. But they yeah. were like two ninety nine, three cassettes. And you're like, yeah, eh, it's not a bad price. But you're like, yeah, but it's going to sound like crap. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Whereas the metal tapes, they were they were the metal tapes in particular, were always incredibly well packaged. Some of them even had metal shells as well. Oh, yeah, I uh, remember. You know, it was really, really made you feel like you were dealing with high-end stuff. And, of course, then CD came along and blew it all away. Um, but well, that was not- the thing. When, when the CD really hit its stride in the 90s, I mean, they started in the 80s, but yeah. they didn't really take off until... The 90s. In fact, one of the things, sales of pre-recorded music in the U.S. dropped from 442 million in 1990 to 274,000 by 2007. Yeah. So, in a 17-year period, they went from, you know, 442 million to not even a, barely over a quarter of a million, yeah. which is just. Um, most major U.S. music companies had discontinued production of pre-recorded cassettes by 2003, which means by 2003, if someone came out with a new album, it's not on cassette anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Which well, seems be, like a long time, too. Well, because CDs, CDs really took over portable listening, even though actually the, the experience with this portable CD player was substantially worse than cassette. Well, until they had the, the anti-skipping thing. Yeah, well, when that, that well, came that, out, that changed everything. That it was, but even then, though the the players were were much bulkier than a Walkman, and also their battery life didn't last as long either. Right. Um, well, it's got to spin know. this thing very fast. And exactly. That takes yeah. a lot of that takes a lot of energy. So, and you got to remember, in the car, you didn't get uh, music CDs in your car for a long time. Oh well, yeah, Even though you, we had the portable things and the boom boxes with CDs and the home stereo CDs. You're not going to get in the car because if you hit a pothole or something, you well, could ruin also, your yeah. your CD. I mean, and not only that, the players were very expensive, very, uh, and yeah. so and so. You know, it was much cheaper than the sport a cassette player in the car. Still, the I last mean, you, were, you remember, we had those things which were which was like a cassette and had a wire come out of it, and you plugged the three and a half mil jack on the end. So yeah, you would, if you had a portable CD player, you would put put that, and then, and then of course that we use that for the iPod as well to um, or for a digital player to so plug that in so that you could hear it in the car. The last new car with an available cassette player was a 2010 Lexus SC430. Wow. What were what were they really? Two 2010 Lexus? Lexus as well is a luxury car brand and they were well maybe maybe by then, you know, that was the well, car you bought the, the if people you still had a big cassette collection. Well, the people that was buying that particular car was probably in his at the time 60s and 70s. Yeah. They I don't want that fangled new yeah. Music thing. I just gave me a cassette plate. Like I, I got all these cassettes. I still have customers to this day that is very upset that none of our cars have a CD player in it. What? What do you mean doesn't have a CD player? I got a huge collection of CDs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Well, you can always have that fitted. I mean, you don't have to. Uh, I know, and I tell them know. that, and they never do. Although I did have one customer do it, and it looked like it looked awful. Yeah. But she gotta, was happy. I've, yeah, gotta be gotta be honest. I'm buying a, a six month old car next week. I'm picking up next the uh, next week, and that has a CD slot in it. Still has a CD player. Not that I would ever use. It's it. It's only because. been about two to three years that most manufacturers started doing away with them. And here's yeah. the thing, though. Let's be honest. Cassettes never sounded great. Not even mm-hmm. the high quality ones. They never did. Yeah. Um, all the players that you, especially the high end players, always had. Uh, mechanical switches that you would switch to try to get the audio to sound better. It would, yeah, there was you know, Dolby Bay, anti-hissing, Dolby and yeah. yeah, it had all those noise reduction things to make it sound better. And some of it actually worked. The Dolby stuff generally did, yeah. um, but the CD sounded way better, oh, which that's is right, yeah. why it was because you can go to the next song like that. You know, the laser yeah. would just move forward, so that was a big deal. But the audio quality was 10 times what it was on cassette. Yeah. It's debatable whether it's better than records. Some people are like, oh, no, the the mechanical, the, the richness, the analog, the yeah, analog yeah. sound yeah. is so much better. Eh, debatable. It depends on how it was you know, recorded I, I, for yeah, digital. I, 
I've always thought because you know I I I didn't have a great record player, but it was a hi-fi record player. It wasn't it wasn't the absolute bargain basement, and I spent a decent amount of money on a cartridge, proper cartridge for it, and took care of my records. But the problem was, I just found that you were it was impossible without spending a lot of money to be able to play records back without the the, the pops and the things from dust and, and what have you. And, and so whenever anybody made that argument, I always thought, well, yeah, if you're using a very high-end record player and you you know, you know treat your records in, in the most perfect way possible and you don't have any dust and everything like that, maybe it rivals CD. But the problem is CD is, is so robust and that's the thing. And it goes back to what I was saying about compact cassette before. It was robust. So, you know, you can pretty much, unless it's got deep scratches on it, you can use a CD and it will sound yeah. as good as it always does, no matter remember what the, environment you're using it in. Remember the uh, CD resurfacing kits that you'd buy? Yeah. yeah, that polished out the scratches. Yeah, yep. yeah. They um, were too. Yeah, I they did. Yeah, they did. I used those on some computer discs. Um, I remember... Uh, I was fortunate way back in the day. Uh, Blizzard sent me a copy of StarCraft mm-hmm. for Mac. And it was literally a year before it came out mm-hmm. that anybody could buy it. And I, with permission, that's why they sent it, I had published a first look of, of StarCraft on the Mac in my Mac magazine and you know, it went on the website eventually. But this was before really the internet was much of anything um and that i would get emails from people wanting me to can i get a copy of it somehow people were so desperate for this game yeah Uh, it was one of those rare ones that i was one of the first in the world to have something online about this game and i scratched that disc and i was like oh my god this sucks so i had a cd polishing kit that I put it in, it's a little machine, and it would go around, and it would do its thing. And it actually worked. It fixed it. I, I was like, yeah, because it was, it was a one-of-a-kind. That's all there was. I They weren't going to send me another beta CD. That yeah. wasn't going to happen. And remember, this wasn't DVD. This was CD. So, But yeah. anyways, magnetic tape, um, yeah, one, compact one, cassette, it, one, it was one awesome. Thing, yeah, one thing that had... That, that we lost when we went to CDs, as you mentioned before, being able to make mixtapes. Um, you, you know, for many years, you couldn't make your own CDs. And then even when you did, it was expensive. You needed a computer. You needed some skills to be able to uh, cut your own tracks to to a, a read-write, to a, re, a rewritable CD. And even then, a lot of times, those wouldn't work in regular CD players very well. Um, they tend to always work in computer drives. And the advantage the cassette had is it was easy to make your own mixtapes. I mean, we we have that back now. Obviously, you can do your own digital stuff, uh, and you can even you can send somebody a playlist you put together from a streaming service. But um, we lost we lo- we had about ten fifteen years when the mixtape kind of went away because you just couldn't do it anymore. Well, you, you not you really. I was making I well, you could do it on CD. I remember making mixed CDs in iTunes. I'd, I'd put my playlist together and just burn it to a CD. You remember when yeah. burning CDs via iTunes was, that was huge. But that but that's the thing, though, that the, the CD really came to prominence in the mid-90s. Right, and um, we didn't get to the, do the burning until... The ability to do burning didn't come till, till early 2000s, really. It only became affordable about 2004, 2005. And that's when the iPod yeah. was coming along, when actually what you might do is you might say, well... Um, I'm going to load, you know, we're going to listen to our iPod together with a, with a, a, a playlist I've put together. Um, I was you know. putting, I was putting mixed CDs together. Probably I started right around 2000, 2001. Uh, and I had a huge collection cause I had ripped early all my CDs to my computer. Yeah. Um, not all of them at first because my hard drive space wasn't that big. Uh, but then I was putting mixed CDs together and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It's so different now. And let's be honest, it's way better now. Oh yeah. Uh, Everything is better now when it comes to distribution of music, maybe not so much for the record companies because they're not making anything like they used to, but I don't care about their business. Um, it's, it's way better for people. You know, I can pick up my phone right now if I wasn't using as a video camera 
and just say, play such and such. Hey, Siri, play such and such, and Siri will play that song. Mm-hmm. Whether it's on the phone right now or not, it will stream that song and play it for me. Yeah, I have instant access to any song I want to hear on my phone immediately, right now, in great audio quality. Um, yeah. It's almost magic, you know, and it hasn't been that long. Some people, the year 2000 may have seemed like a long time ago. It really wasn't. It really yeah. wasn't that long ago. Mm, I know. And, and look how far we've come. You know, we've had more innovation in the last 20 years than we did the century before. Yeah, I'm sick. But, you know, I'm still waiting for those crystals from the Superman movie because that's when it's, when it's peak media. I'm waiting for <laughs> flying cars. Still haven't got them. So Lou Otten's um yeah hats off to you man you were right. uh, yeah I, i'll be honest with you i didn't know who you were <laughs> Don't. uh I, I i didn't know you were the inventor but you had a huge profoundly important impact on young tim's life with Indeed. the cassette player yeah and uh you know back from a day when a single person could create a product like that it's not like that anymore no <laughs> now it's speaking of <laughs> speaking of um creating a product you have a, a link that we put in the show notes a while ago now we just never yeah. got to it best fake ipods of 2021 um yeah. i knew that there was a big market for fake ipods or airpods yeah. i should say not ipods mm. airpods airpods somebody somebody could make a fake ipod now and nobody would give a crap <laughs> um <laughs> it's uh do they sound good I mean, who would Charlotte? I want to say shouting. who would go out and buy a, a pair of fake iPods with the same type of look, the same type of charging little. I've always thought that the charging case for the uh, AirPods looked like a, a little thing that you'd get um, floss. dental floss in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and it's it, I find with my AirPods Pro, sometimes I pick up my AirPods Pro and they're not charged. And that's because a little piece of dust or um, something from uh, has gotten in there and the tiny little contacts have been blocked by it and it hasn't charged. And every time it does that and I'm kind of blowing in there trying to get it out, I'm thinking to myself, is this really the best design? You know, it's cool and it's convenient and everything, but... The fact that sometimes you can pick that up and it just hasn't charged them kind of annoys me. But yeah. there you go. But the problem I had with this article is that this is on uh, this is on Tom's Guide, which is uh, used to be Tom's Hardware and is a well a well known, long standing um, technical website for uh, for those of us who like gadgets and that sort of thing. It offends me that they've written a whole article here about knockoff products. And reviewing knockoff products because you don't have to buy in-ear headphones that work like the AirPods that have that copy the AirPods design. You can buy. There are hundreds and hundreds of brands and models of different in-ear headphones that work very similarly to the AirPods. You know, they have a magnetic charging case. They stick in your ear. They have a little button on the outside for pairing and for playing your music and all that sort of thing. But they don't look anything like the AirPods. They are their own design. But though they chose to specifically say which are the best fake AirPods, and to me, I find it really kind of horrible. We're constantly criticising in the West China's lax attitude to copyright um, and um, intellectual property. And yet, here we are, here we have a website that's basically reviewing them like they're real legitimate products. These well, are, they are real legitimate products. Yeah, but, well, they're not. They're real illegitimate products because they're knockoffs, you know. and They, they are and, knockoffs, no question. And, and in many jurisdictions, these would be banned as being, uh, a, you know, a copyright infringement and you wouldn't be allowed to sell them in the open. So what's copyrightable? Is it the shape of the uh, wireless headphones? Is it the charging case? Is it the combination of the two? I mean, uh, I think that, it's all of it, really. I, I, I would think so, but I mean, how? I've got a pair of headphones on right now, AKGs. They're not too dissimilar to this pair of Shure headphones right here, David. Yeah, I could. Do, by the way, the video so the froze. basic fun- video froze before we started, so I can't see what you're waving. But uh, oh, okay. I, 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 I get it. Yeah, and you're absolutely yeah. right. Over ear headphones generally 
look the same. But the thing is, I have a pair of overhead headphones on, and if you put mine down next to yours, uh, each of us would be able to say whose was whose because they're not uh, just copying each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. that hasn't helped. Um, whereas these ones are specifically, these aren't specifically designed to fool people into thinking you have legitimate Apple AirPods. Right, they're, Even they're though you haven't. legitimate clones, if you will, which well, is Ill- kind of legitimate clones, but yeah, yeah, you know what I meant. Yeah, it's it. it I kind of think it 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 leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, you would expect more from Tom's Guide. Yeah, that's exactly. And back my when point. it was Tom's Hardware, I think they got bought out. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Thing. Yeah, because uh, the original Tom's Hardware would never have done this. No, especially they when you, we have a, yeah, we have a sentence that says. Just be aware that while these are our current favorite fake AirPods, I mean, they're actually calling them fake AirPods in the article. Yeah. They're not even trying to say, well, these are some nice uh, AirPods-style headphones or anything like that. They're calling them fake AirPods. And and I, I find that distasteful. I agree with you. I, yeah. I'm 100% down with that. It's why, why give any legitimacy or uh, attention to... Somebody that's uh, companies that are just ripping another company off blatantly. Yeah. Why? And um, why? Well, I'm from the manufacturer's point. I, I don't understand each, each of the manufacturers listed here. I recognise some of these names. We've got Anchor. We've got Orkey. We've got Tautronics. They all make non-knockoff headphones as well. Presumably the same tech in. So I don't understand why they feel the need to make fake ones as well. It's well, uh, well, I do. It's money, but um, it's because some people want to have something that looks legit when it's not, because they don't want to spend the money. Well, and that's kind of what it is, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and it, I have some sympathy with that view. I think that that you know the AirPods are great products as they are. Um, they're certainly very expensive, and there's a debate to be had about whether they're worth the money you spend on them. Um, so, uh, and you know, my view tends to be that, uh, they're probably overpriced, bearing in mind that they will fail within three, three years and like that, the batteries will die and you have to throw them away. So, that's, um, that's my big, you know. that's why I like the headphones I have on right now. There are no batteries to die. Yeah. And they are arguably, they sound a lot better than the AirPods do. Yeah. Um, and they don't hurt my ears. Yeah. Although I'm, I've got my reading glasses on right now. And it's not a great feeling with the no. stuck in here. But and, and yeah, if you're out and about, I remember uh, probably about ten years ago, I had a pair, the one, an early pair of Motorola over over ear headphones that had Bluetooth on them, so they were wireless, um, and uh, they were a great value back then. Um, they weren't particularly expensive, and they sounded great, and they were wireless, and that's what you wanted. And I remember working somewhere and wearing these every day, and I walked to from the station. And getting a lot of strange looks because back then people didn't wear big headphones out in the out in public. Now they do, and now it, nobody would look twice. But back then they didn't, and I think that's the advantage that in-ear headphones have is some people want something that's a bit less obtrusive. Uh, and certainly if you're if you're in somewhere where it's very cold, you need you need in-ear stuff because you need something that can be worn under a you know a, a full hat that that covers your ears up because it's so cold. So. Yeah. There are, there are places for these things, but uh, again, the, you know, as I say, that you can you can build and design these things without aping the intellectual property that Apple puts together. Yeah, it's it's uh, disappointing, but it's also not really surprising. Surprising. China, yeah. Ch- China has just been. It's bad how how much they're stealing and. I don't see an end to the problem until politics get a little bit stronger against them. But what gets me about, honestly, a lot of this is people are complaining about China and how bad they are and how much they're cheating. But what they don't seem to realize is that they have all of this stuff, all this manufacturing there. Not because they they did anything wrong. It's because all these companies went there knowing that they can save a lot of money if they produce products there. Yeah. So in some respects, you got to look at Apple and say, hey, you know what? You're the one that's empowering these people. 
Yeah. It's kind of your own fault. You're taking advantage of essentially slave labor to make products cheap enough that we can buy them here in the West. And then you're bitching because some of the companies in China are just copying your stuff. Well, well you yeah. Can you have I, it both ways? I mean, I've, come on. I've, yeah, I think that's part of the problem is that um, there's not a lot of rights enforcement going on because, you know, Apple has the pockets to go after these guys if they wanted to, and they just don't bother because there's such a... Um, a low-level competitor. They don't really affect... Yeah. They don't. Apple's attitude is, well, the people who are buying those sort of things probably are never going to buy our AirPods anyway. So it's not even worth spending the money fighting them. But of course, by you know, by doing that, you are also enabling the intellectual property theft. And I, I, you know what? Part of the other... The other part of the problem is, you know, in, in today, in the, in this world where we live in, yeah, intellectual property theft is... is probably uh, quite low down on the list of urgent problems that need to be solved. Um, well, when when your company wants to go after companies in China for intellectual property theft while you're using ostensibly slave labor in that same country to make your product, I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for you. Well, to yeah, to be honest with you, there are other ways of dealing with it. I mean, you could block the importation of these types of things. You could stop people online reviewing them and selling them. You you know, you could step in and make sure that Amazon gets rid of all this stuff, that eBay gets rid of all this stuff, that there's no market for it in the West, and then people wouldn't make it anymore. They only make these things because they're, they're purchased here in, in large enough numbers to make it worthwhile to, uh, to copy, other, copy other people's stuff. What do you, no. Speaking of Apple, what do you think about the story of Apple discontinuing discontinues the original HomePod, and they're only going to focus on the Mini? I think well, this is them expressing their mistake, if you will. Yeah. Um, that the HomePod was just too expensive. Yeah, and they, apparently a couple of years ago they reduced the price to three hundred dollars, but even at three hundred dollars, it was very expensive, and. Most of the people I've heard talk about this have said the part of the problem with HomePod is to really, really make you it sound. Two. You need it too. <laughs> well, it's stereo. Really, you got to yeah. have stereo sound to have a exactly. really good audio fidelity. Yeah, if you just want a little speaker in your living room to pipe some music in there while you're cleaning or something, sure, it's fine. Or in the kitchen while you're cooking, that's fine. But if you actually want to sit there and experience music and listen to music, there is no bookshelf single speaker that's going to sound better than the pair of clips clipch that i have sitting in front of me right now yeah a left speaker a right speaker and a sub on the floor you're not going to touch that sound system no. with any one speaker or even if there's multiple speakers in the box you have to have that separation you got to have true stereo we have yeah. two ears left and right yeah you know that's how but, we process yeah. sound and and spatial it 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 there's just no comparison but I, I think I think to counter that, a lot of people probably are listening to music on single speakers now. I'm not saying it, it's 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 a, a worse experience when it comes to uh, a casual listen, but I'm talking about true, li really listening and enjoying music. Yeah. It's not the same. It just no, isn't. No, this isn't old fuddy duddy stuff. This is science. This is yeah. But but human. most people most people don't really care about quality when they listen to music. I mean, back in the day, a lot, right. of people, a lot of people listened to music on really terrible sounding transistor radios and they just didn't care as long as they could hear it. Yeah. Well, they didn't know any better. And, the, and well, that's true, but that was, that was always Apple's problem with the HomePod is that they pitched it as a high end speaker system. Yeah. Yep. Even as a single, I mean, I've got to be honest. I mean, the, the single, a single HomePod always sounded extremely impressive. Even I'm sure that, that having two was even better, but a single one always sounded extremely impressive to me. But the problem is that the price it was at, even after they reduced the price, it was a speaker. It was a, a nice quality music system that just happened to have, um, you know, a, a, a lady, a lady, uh, you know, the lady speaker built in. Yeah. But the problem yep. is Siri's not very good. Um, and you've got to have an ecosystem of these things. You've got to have more than one to make a lot of sense with them. And, your comp your competitors are selling um, things that are less than a hundred dollars that can do the same job, and I, you know I have right in the desk in front of me here uh, and am the latest Amazon Echo Dot. Yeah, well, not the very latest one, not the ball one, but the one before that, the, the last puck yeah. with the fabric on the side. Now, I use it mostly to listen to music at my desk when I'm working because it sounds a hundred and fifty percent better than just playing music off my iPhone. 
yeah sure and and it it means i'm not tied down by headphones yeah right right and and i would say that as an ambient sound it probably is less hard on my ears than even the airpods yeah. but um and and the thing is now i could i could buy home pod mini i could buy a regular home pod and it would sound even better but it, it's yep. spending more money to give give me something that what i have now is perfectly adequate and much better than many alternatives so and and the, the echo dot cost me 30 pounds so that's the problem is what you're competing with uh, and the differentiation just wasn't it wasn't a differentiation that many people are interested in you know yeah, 100%. They, they, yep. they should have sold the home pod at a loss if they'd have sold it at a loss and made it maybe 150 199 yeah you know what they probably just would have sold an awful lot more of them and then the, then you're getting the ecosystem into people's houses, which is actually the objective of these speakers. Amazon doesn't sell these things because they want to give people nice speakers in their homes. They, it's because they want to get their ecosystem into people's homes. So that the first thing you think of when you think of buying anything or, or reading anything or listening to anything is going through Amazon. That's what the game is. And that's not yeah. Apple's game. That's part of the problem. Uh, we do get some feedback. So let's talk about this a little bit. We've got yep. two things from uh, John Nimorowski and uh, Steve Stavinsky. Stavisky. Yeah. Um, Steve wrote, uh, thought of this show while listening to the Mattel Discovery episode on Geeks Pub. Uh, if you guys aren't listening to the Geeks Pub podcast, we hope that you uh, join us over there every other week. When we're not doing Tech Fan, we're doing Geeks Pub. And last episode, we did a whole big thing on WandaVision. And we've got... Yeah. Cool stuff coming up um, on the next Geeks Pub. We're going to be talking about, I think, I think it comes out by then, the first episode of um, Winter Soldier Falcon. I think that comes yeah. out in time. But I do, I'm pretty sure, in fact, I know for a fact that the Justice League Snyder Cut, that's that's four hours that we're going to have to dedicate to, yeah. to watching that. We might have to skip that for two weeks after because that's, that's a commitment. I don't know if I've got four hours to... Watch that before we record the next episode. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but he's listening to the Mattel Discovery episode uh, where we're talking about Star Trek Discovery. We're also talking about my uh, my Mattel uh, computer that I bought. Yeah. Um, and he says, as you say, you've probably heard the story a hundred times, uh, but they interview the guy who wrote the E.T. game pretty extensively. The show yeah. is on Netflix in February. hope it's still there now in March. Yeah. The show he's is- talking about was called High Score. Yeah. Um, and he's talking about Howard Scott Warsaw. He was uh, an employee at Atari who was kind of a wonder child for a little while there. And E.T. is considered by some, not by me, but by some is uh, either A, the worst video game of all time. It's not. Or the game that brought down the the video game market back in the day. And that's not true either. No. Um but what but, it was was a colossal market disappointment and certainly it a was. Uh, you know it wasn't it was very much came across like a waste of a license but then you hear the story and you realize why because the guy had six weeks to write it and he had six sm- weeks to write a game and it and for a game that came out in six weeks from literally nothing a concept to delivery, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, and, Ste- and, and when well, he had Spielberg a, had some very funny ideas about what he wanted the game to be. Well, he kind which, of wanted it to be an ET, where maybe or a, a Pac-Man clone, Pac-Man where Pac-Man, clone, yeah. where yeah, whether he's eating Reese's pieces, and yeah. honestly, if they would have done that, it probably would have been a better game. Yeah. But for what it was, I had that ET game when it came out. I was very excited to get it. Um, I hated that I kept falling in these stupid holes. I wasn't even close to it. I'd fall in a freaking hole yeah. all the time. I never finished a game. I gave up on it. It wasn't a good game. But it wasn't the game that killed the industry. No. But, yeah, they did an interview on this show called High Score with him. I'm actually reading uh, Howard's book right now. He wrote a book that just came out maybe a couple weeks, oh, a couple months ago at this point. I'm having a hard time getting through it. It's not a very good book, I'll be honest with yeah. you. Um, but mostly because I know the story very well already. Yeah. And so I'm like, eh, there's yeah. other things I could be reading right now. I, I watched the high score TV series and it, you know, yeah. it was okay. Um, it was the, okay. It felt like 
a bunch of clips from uh, somebody's part-time Netflix or uh, yeah. YouTube series or something. It, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't very coherent. And um, in the interest of, uh, the problem was it was full of graphics, you know, eight big yeah. graphic things, and the, and it was a bit light on content. Um, and it very tended light to, on content. Yeah, it tended to to really not dig between below the surface of the stories it was presenting. Um, right, they just scratched a couple of topics yeah. and they'd move on, and you're like, wait a minute, there. And and someone that's really followed the video game industry for many years, um, I know some of the stories that they were talking about, and they didn't touch up upon any of the really truly interesting aspects of the story. They didn't go in depth and talk to the the more interesting people. I'm like, yeah, this is kind of dumb. Uh, well, but I, I suppose I, it probably hit the mark it was aimed at, which is for people who maybe don't know the, Very casual. the video game industry yeah. to give them a bit of a retro look back. But yeah. I, I mean, and there's it's, nothing it's not, wrong with that, but no, I just no, know that it, there's a lot better stories that they could have exactly, told. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's what it is. But yes, I, Having said all that, I think it's probably worth a watch if you're interested in the topic. Um, it's kind of fun the, to see some of the people as they are now or, or as they were yeah. when they were interviewed because sometimes they're, uh, the interviews are a little bit older. Um, and yeah, you know. But I mean, it, we have a direct connection to that time as well as Atari. Owen yeah. Rubin comes on this show occasionally and Owen's with there. Apple now, but he was yeah. at Atari. He was yeah. even at Apple back in the day. So he, he had the we've office got next that door. Direct... did Battlezone. He did. And he did his own. There, uh, vector game major havoc that uh yep. you know what for many years major havoc nobody had heard of it and you never saw it anywhere i, I now notice it appears more and more whenever anybody does like a a retrospective or a collection of emulated games and everything major mm -hmm. havoc is always there nowadays it, it seems to be finding some sort of renaissance yeah anyway we'll have it's to cool. go in about that sometime we should we, we should have it all yeah. back on the show soon i always like it when yeah. it's on we got two um Pieces of feedback, if you will, from John Nemirovsky from MyMac.com. Um, I kind of combined them to one. Yeah. The first one. Yeah, uh, he says, you, best, best yeah. old tech, iPod classic, holds millions of songs. Easiest, 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 best, best, best for navigation and rating, rating, rating. These are so difficult on the new screen phones, long live the iPod classic. I, so. will, I will say for ratings, it is way better. Yeah. Than either on a computer. Um, well, no, on the computer it's better, but it's way yeah. better than rate to rate music on an iPod than it is on the iPhone. And I think yeah. most people don't rate music at all anymore, John. Well, I don't think they care. Yeah. The thing is, if they're streaming, then the algorithm is is doing the rating for you because it looks at yeah. what you're searching and what you're listening to, and it's basically generating kind of a, a what you like thing in the background. Now you can argue the pros and cons of that but uh but navigation yeah. you're 100 percent wrong john oh. it is think, not great for navigation yeah it depends uh, it was depending I, on, on how john you had pick your, one song and go to it on your ipod classic and i'll pick up my iphone and just tell it the song to play yeah well that you, you that is right and if I i've guess, already created my yeah. own playlist i just tell it to play that playlist if yeah. i want to hear an album i just tell siri to play that album if I want the best of Steely Dan, I, I would never listen to Steely Dan's best of. <laughs> um, there's like four songs from them that I like. Um, I can just tell Siri to do that. Nav now, of course, yeah, you might be the annoying guy on, on the flight constantly talking to Siri. Yeah. But don't you can't tell me that navigation. Well, if you're talking uh, about nonverbal, even then it's not. Well, It just yeah, isn't. Because okay. scrolling, let's say you want to listen to ZZ Top. You scroll to... Artist, push the enter button. Then you scroll, 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 all the way down to Z. Heaven forbid you've got 500 different artists in there. It's going to take you a little while to get down to Z. And you can't see the video, John, but I've got the original iPod on a shelf behind me. I've had, and I have an iPod Classic. I've got a fifth generation with an SS, no, it's got a mechanical hard drive in it, a 500 gig that's huge. It holds, well, no, it's a one terabyte, sorry. One terabyte hard drive in it that holds every piece of music. And I still sync it every now and then. David, you can't see it, but I'm holding it in my hand right now. And I love the iPod. I think it's a fantastic device. Um, it sucks compared to an iPhone. It just does. From art to, to browsing, it's touch. You can just flick your finger down and you'll skip half the... I mean, it, 
not navigation, John. You're 100% wrong. I hate to say that. I love you, buddy. Yeah. But navigation, no way. And you say it holds millions of songs. My iPhone doesn't have to hold one song and I can listen to the everything. Not one song. And I can listen yeah. to everything yeah. I want. But you, you mentioned uh, Devil's Advocate here. You mentioned being on a plane. Um, if you don't have Wi-Fi on the plane, then none of that works. Siri, um, accessing the songs in the cloud, none of it. So if you want to right, but if I'm going to jump on a plane, I've probably downloaded the music to my phone at that point. And even navigation, if I'm just using my finger, is still better on the iPhone than it is on the classic iPod. Yeah, I think I think it depends how how you've got your music organized. I think if you're the sort of person, doesn't matter. It, even if even if I don't have it organized at all, I'm just going by artist. I can take my finger and tap the letter, and goes right to yeah. that letter. Yeah, there, all right, all there's right, no comparison in navigation. It's there yeah. just isn't. I think I, again, playing a devil's advocate for a, for a minute. I think perhaps what John is getting at is that when it came out, the navigation on the iPod was so superior to anything else on the market. That I would agree with. When it came out, the iPod was it was amazing. I've got an original right behind yeah. me. There, you know, I loved it. Um, I I think that it is probably one of the most important pieces of technology that came out in the 2000s, starting at 2000. Um, And it really was the first product of the 2000s that was a giant, massive success when it didn't exist before in any kind of form. Um, It came out in 2001, and... It, it was just, it was, it was amazing. And it changed a lot of things, especially when they made it compatible with PCs a year later. Yeah. Uh, and they got rid of the stupid uh, Firewire 400 port. Yeah. That my first iPod, I got a PC compatible one because I didn't have Max back then. But I yeah. had to then buy a Firewire PC card to yeah. put it in my laptop in so ass. I could sync it. You know, yeah. I was still worth doing it. Because he oh, was yeah. still the best music player on the market, no question. Um, but uh, but yeah, that wasn't. And it wasn't even it, it, just the way it played music. The original ones, the uh, DA converters were just yeah. Man, it, it really was a, a fantastic device. It really, really was. And what killed it? Apple killed it themselves with the iPhone. They yeah. they released a better product. Uh, the other one that he wrote in here. Uh, do you got that handy? I've got it handy. Um, yeah. I'm guessing. But here's about- my problem with this because I don't know what the context of <laughs> where it came to this. I was hoping you did because I'm not sure. No, because the, yeah, yeah, because I, I, I read it and then I thought, I, I don't know what he, I think he's talking about your portable word processor. All right. I'm okay. pretty sure that's what he was talking about because that's the only thing that makes sense. And so what was your uh, word processor that he's referring to in here? Well, I, I have the, the Canon one that I was talking about, and um, yep. yeah, yeah, uh, I, I don't think that would be handed out on a plane, though. I don't. Um, I'm not. No, I'm. I'm not really sure. Um, maybe it was a video game console. Could be. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm. Th- I'm wondering if. If well, no, is that you saying it's 40 years ago? Yeah, maybe know. that is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was like a Game Boy or something. Anyway, um, John, well, I'm going to read this out, and then John, you can. Write in and tell us what we're talking about. Just confirm it was a Game Boy. Because we don't know. Yeah, I'm guessing it was about 40 years ago. He says, I was flying somewhere in Continental Airlines who are long dead. Anyway, not a lot of people on the plane. Shortly after takeoff, the stewardess starts wandering down the aisle looking for people for a reason. I don't know why, because she did not have any booze in hand. Okay. I'm minding my own business. She asked me, do you want one of these? I had no idea, no idea what it was, and I didn't look edible. It didn't look edible, so I said, no thanks. Next thing I knew, she handed it to a guy across the aisle from me, and he starts beeping and screeching and howling and growling and going berserk. Not him, but the portable contraption in his hand. Exactly what you and David were just describing. I'm not a violent person, but this almost took me into committing a capital offence. Nuff said, different generations. I think oh, I think... I, no, I think it was a baby raccoon. <laughs> yes, okay. You know, that guy was wrestling with a baby raccoon. Okay, yeah. Uh, and it was screeching and beeping and howling and growling and yeah. going berserk. Because baby raccoons do not like to be on a plane. So yeah. I don't I don't blame you, John. Yeah, okay. I, I might be wrong about that. It might be a, a, a video game or something. Yeah. <laughs> 
the handheld video games were awesome. I I, lo- I loved them back in the day. The stupid little LED red button. Uh, and- I'll tell you what I remember. I, I know what it is a video game because I commented on the fact that these those old handheld video games did not have um, volume controls or headphone jacks on. So that will That's be true. what he's talking about. That's got to be it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I can sympathise on that one. Yeah. All right, I'm going to play there mine. Go. See if this is annoying. Ready? I don't think this is annoying at all. No. All right, here we go. That's not. That's not bad. I'm at ten points. <laughs> all right, let's see what it sounds like when I die. Oh. That's I. I don't know what you're talking about. That's no. not annoying. <laughs> the cat literally just ran in here and gave me a dirty look. <laughs> It literally, it, the cat is now looking at me like, what in the hell is that? Do you have a mouse? Is that a mouse? <laughs> yeah. do, do I get to eat whatever that thing is? Um, yeah, yeah, now the cat's in here very excited because it thinks there was a mouse or something. Yeah, I know. That's not annoying. I don't know. Yeah. No, I can. Old I've, buddy, I've, daddy. I've, I think on. we can uh, we can sympathize with you on that, John. You know? I can't. That's not annoying so, at all. So maybe if, um, maybe if they followed that up with booze for John, it would have bothered him less. So uh, yeah, that's 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 what he was really mad about. She didn't have yes. any booze. <laughs> He's like, "What the hell, Continental? Give me some booze. You guys are going to go out of business here." And he was right. Yeah, I've I've always thought alcohol on airplanes. The problem is, there's a problem in the airplane. You really don't want to have to be trying to get ju- uh, drunk people into life jackets and get them off. If there's a problem with an airplane, I want to get drunk. Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> Give me the booze. We're going down. Give me some Jack Daniels. I hate the taste of it, but I don't care. Do you care. see that? See the one from the uh, seven, the uh, the seven triple seven a couple of weeks ago, where the uh, the cowling fell off the plate off the uh, engine. Yeah, we talked about yeah, it. That's right. Yeah. So I wonder what happened to the in-flight boost sales on that flight. Well, it was on fire too. The engine <laughs> yeah. was literally on fire, and the cowling fell off. Yeah. I, I'm my ass is getting drunk. <laughs> I was. I'm, the, I'm, yeah. I. I'm, I'm I'm committing some cardinal offenses on that flight. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. It's not going well for somebody else on the flight. I'm no. going to have fun, but somebody else is not going to have fun at my expense. Yep. I'll leave it at that. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of TechFan. We'd love to get feedback from you guys. Uh, it's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Um, we're off Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can find us there. It's Tech Fan Podcast, both places. You can also leave comments at techfanpodcast.com or mymac.com, the mothership. Oh, oh, I got to do that closer to the mic. Oh, so we love to get feedback from you guys. Hook, hook us up. Hey, this is kind of fun though, David. One last thing before we wrap up. Now, okay. I don't think Guy and uh, Gaz on the MyMac podcast are going to talk about this. Although they should, because this was something from uh, their show. So let me see if I could find it. Uh, I think it's in the inbox, and I think it's the MyMac podcast. Uh, Yes, it is. So this was a message from Doug Bonner. Uh, I think last Sunday. It's been a little bit a while ago. And he says, I noticed last night that my son is still using the iFrogs over-ear headphones that you sent me back in 2008 when I was a guest on the show. Amazing. Thanks again. And he sent a picture of his son using those headphones. Cool. And I replied. Um, and it was actually two. Freeloader. Yeah. You freeloader. <laughs> what are you doing? You're not supposed to use them this long. Uh, I sent him a, a message back, a screenshot. And it was actually 2009, not 2008. But I sent him a, a screenshot back with his entry. I still had that email. All Everything right. goes into an archive folder. Yeah. And sure enough, he was in. He's in um, British Columbia, Canada. Mm-hmm. And there's his entry. And you were actually on that episode, David. Yep. And I linked to it. It was episode 262. We did an interview with Ted Landau on that episode, but I opened it with call. One of the we had two winners. One of them wasn't there, didn't answer the phone, or no, it was a very short conversation because we had that same person on later yeah. uh, for a full interview. But mm-hmm. I have the. I, it's on that episode. You can listen to it. I call 
uh, Doug. And he answers, and he's like, who is this? And I tell him, and he's like, oh. And I said, I'm just calling to tell you you didn't win. This time we're calling all the losers that you didn't win. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. You probably remember that part. Uh, and then I, uh, yeah. I, I talked to him for a few minutes. He talked about his computer use and all that. It was really cool to, to hear from someone that listened to us. I, what 2009 was how long ago? 11, 12, 13 years ago? Yeah. No, it is cool. And um, yeah, I remember. The, I definitely remember the interview with Ted Landau. I've got to be honest, I didn't remember the uh, the iFrogs call until you refresh my memory. And but, then he, uh, I, I wrote, "Did you know David Cohen and I, Tim, still podcast the Tech Fan Podcast and the Geeks Pub?" And he wrote, "Yes." Yeah. So maybe he's still a listener. That would be. I, I hope he is, and if you are. Doug, I, I, I hope, Doug, I hope you uh, enjoy your iFrogs. I've got to be honest. Yeah, congratulations again, I, I 13 years us, later. Yeah, I don't think any of us expected them to give that level of service. So um, if you want to write a follow-up review, we'll post on my Mac about <laughs> how hardy the iFrogs headphones are. <laughs> it, I don't know if they came this way, but it looks like there's some tape holding it or something. I can't tell. Um, but it's cool nonetheless that, you know, someone that, Look, we didn't pay for the headphones. iFrog was a sponsor, you know, yeah. the contest sponsor anyways. I wasn't going to spend my own money to send someone else something. You know, that's what sponsors are for. Um, but that's just really cool. I, I, I really got a kick out of that. Uh, we'd love to hear from some of our long-term listeners. We've been doing this a very, very long time. I started podcasting in 2004, so... You know, a couple more years from now, David, we'll be, I'll be celebrating 20 years of recording, and you're right behind me, because you started in 2005, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with with your, you were our uh, London correspondent. Yeah, and you know what? I'm, I was thinking to myself <laughs> just the other day that when this uh, worldwide catastrophe finally moves behind us, and shows start going again, I might have to go to a gadget show. Uh, and be the uh, the London correspondent again. That might be fun. There you go. I, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. You probably get kicked out now, though. Well, like, well, of course. Nowadays, what I could do is is you could do it with me because I could have you on FaceTime or uh, Facebook Messenger or Facebook video. Well, you remember Larry did. Yeah, you remember Larry did the whole robot thing at uh, Maxstock. Yeah. Were you there for that year? No, but I, I saw I saw it on the uh, on the site. Yeah, it was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Just kind of. So, again, we'd love to get feedback from you guys. The show at techfanpodcast.com. And David and I will be back next week with the Geeks Pub. And in two weeks with uh, the next episode of Tech Fan. See you then, David. See you then.